Shalom, everybody. This is Maximai Badaf, and you're listening to this week's episode of Let's Talk. And this week, we're being very Jewish. And you want to know why? Because Nick Cannon has said some very shady shit about Jewish people, and I thought it's very appropriate to talk about anti-Semitism that's rising here in America. So here, to discuss all things Jewish and anti-Semitic, I am joined by a fabulous amazing sexy goddess ellie dar hey ellie shalom <laughs> shalom ellie and i went to baruch college together and then we worked on several theatrical productions together and ellie is one of the most beautiful genuine empathetic people that i've ever met oh my god yeah so i really wanted to talk to you today thanks for having me absolutely so before we talk about anti-semitism and all of that crazy stuff Tell us a little bit about yourself. I am a white Jewish woman. With beautiful ginger hair. Thank you. I'm queer, I'm sex positive, and if to boil it down, <laughs> oh, my pronouns are she, her. There we go. Okay, very good. Yeah. If you would describe what quote-unquote kind of Jewish person you are, like what's your background, where your family's from? Totally. So I am Ashkenazi, which is a like Eurocentric Jewish person. I grew up in a Orthodox to modern Orthodox household, you know, keeping the Sabbath, kosher, all of that stuff. I even went to private schools where I had a dual curriculum, half of it was in English, half was in Hebrew. And until about my junior year in high school, that's when I switched into public school. So I chose to not be religious myself and my family is accepting of that. Our kind of family motto is Shalom Bayit, which is, you know, peace in the home. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we accept each other and we love each other as long as what we're doing is not hurting anyone else or ourselves beautiful yeah i like that you brought up the fact that like you chose to be not religious but still identify as jewish because being jewish is an ethno-religious group and for example in my family because we are also ashkenazi white european jews but we're come from soviet union where religion was banned so people had to stay and my family specifically had to stay jewish through ethnic traditions like food and stories and kind of like behavioral kind of attributes so we were also not religious and i have to confess that i might be a bad jew to talk about this but i've never been to a synagogue in my life no no such thing as being a bad jew i i fully believe that by the way bad jews was a play on broadway written by joshua Harmon, who also (laughs) wrote significant other really wow there you go yeah yeah i you can be a bad person but i don't think you can be a bad jew Mm -hmm. um i will say similar to you my family on my dad's mother's side there's actually um sephardi lineage which is um, you know handling from spain and so my family has a lot of practices that are related to sephardi judaism and also like i'll sometimes they'll say i'm sephardi by custom there are air quotes in there so Mm -hmm. people can't see me and so we do things like we have some customs that we instead of in Hebrew, we do in Ladino, which is a dialect of Spanish and Hebrew. Because my family, way back when, in the time of the Inquisitions in Spain, so like a really long time, from there, and they went to 
Turkey and to Israel and then to America and to Israel again. And so, yeah, a lot of the customs that I have that I feel so close to are not really religious in practice. They're more about the language. They're about the things that we do. And so Ashki by blood, Sephardi by custom. Yeah, is I think all. the very nature of this kind of like nomadic experience of Jewish people is that we yeah. kind of never had our own land until Israel, which we're kind of going to talk about a little bit in a bit. But I feel like this idea that because we're just all over the place is one of the reasons why anti-Semitism is on the rise. Talking about Nick Cannon, I want to say that he actually used this idea of us being nomadic, obviously not by choice. It's not like Jewish <laughs> people have decided, you know what? Let's be persecuted for the rest of our lives. Yeah. So Nick Cannon in a podcast said that they, referring to Jewish people, had to be barbaric because they're in these Nordic mountains being nomadic. Nick explained while discussing the power white and Jewish people have in their treatment of melanated people. They're in these rough torrential environments, so they're acting as animals. So they're the ones that are actually closer to the animals. They're the ones that are actually the true savages and us as black people we are the true hebrews not the white jew mm. 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 <laughs> i don't even know where to begin I, on that my gut reaction is just there are black jews that's that's just my gut reaction it's like you can talk about uh, yeah there's ethiopian I, I, jews <laughs> yes there's black african-american jews everywhere yeah so there is no the black people are the true hebrews and the white people are not it's like we are all we're all jewish yeah i i think this idea of that nick cannon who ever since mariah carey divorced his ass i was like i don't like <laughs> you i just thought it's a ignorant but also this kind of like we are the true hebrews and not the white ones it's like why are you eradicating us why do you need to compete as if your struggle is more important than our struggle it's like like i don't want to bring up this metaphor but it's like you know when somebody like leg is torn off but my pinky still hurts it's all individualistic yeah. so why would you compare somebody's experience it's just so negating and it's kind of like to me him saying that kind of sound a little bit like all lives matter oh your experience is not that significant because our people also suffered and then to claim that their culture is our culture without i'm pretty sure nick cannon doesn't know about you know traditions of jewish culture i'm pretty sure he doesn't know hebrew he doesn't know the history he hasn't watched yentl barbara streisand so <laughs> why why do you feel like people have the right to claim jewish culture and to talk about it as if their own when it's not you know, I again like going back to their like no bad Jews. Like, okay, so there are Jews that don't know Hebrew. There are Jews that don't know the custom. There's some Jews that just find out they're Jewish by blood and you know feel that kind of community. But the way you can be a bad person is by saying I'm Jewish and you're not. Mm-hmm. There's a there's a quote. I might totally be misquoting it, but I'm pretty sure it goes um ain datim ain chilunim kol yehudim, which means that there are no religious people. There are no not religious people everyone's jewish mm-hmm. and that's a, that's a hebrew quote and that's something i was taught in like religious school right and it's this idea again that there's there's no one or other part of me is like a little frustrated that we didn't have to have these conversations because there are bigger things going on in the world right. anti-semitism is prevalent and it is yes. something to be discussed but right now like why are we talking about this mm-hmm. 
why would you try to stir right. the pot in a moment exactly. when the pot is not even stirred like the pot is on yeah. fire on flame like it's burning so you just brought up that like it's still happening obviously so i guess what i'm trying to say is that a lot of people think that anti-semitism is not real anymore oh because, yeah yeah because like oh we had the holocaust we established <laughs> israel you know it's like jews control the media they control the narrative anti-semitism is not real and you know we're going to talk about in a bit about those stereotypes also being detrimental but oh, yeah. have you ever experienced anti-semitism in your life oh yeah um and it's funny because i did grow up in a very small and insular town everyone was jewish what town the five towns on long island mm. uh, specifically in woodmere but all of them Mm-hmm. It was it's a small insular town and I don't agree with a lot of the ways that people there conduct themselves but that being said I grew up there and even there I got little tastes as a young person of antisemitism. I have a very early memory of walking with my family on like the main thoroughfare where people go shopping and um, this one guy yells across the street at some men who are wearing uh, yarmulkes on their head and he yells you guys need Jesus. And it was just Jesus was Jewish. I know it's not necessary. As a very young child, that was that was very scary to me. I have friends who've been egged from moving cars in our town. It was specifically on Shavuot, which is a night where people stay up all night. And so we were. It was a bunch of people out late, and some people were taking a break outside of the synagogue. And yeah, someone came by and threw eggs at them. What else? Let me think. Oh, so they're outright aggression things like that. But I've also had a lot of microaggressions. I did move to public school in my junior year of high school and it was really genuinely my first time really interacting with people who aren't Jewish because it was such an insular community. Mm-hmm. And I grew up in this community and this public school was in this community, but they had to bus kids from outside of town in to keep this school open. So it was from a lot of communities who bordered on the five towns like Far Rockaway. And one time somebody asked me, why on Saturdays do all the Jews walk in the street? And so this is a real thing. This is a real thing because it's Shabbat and because it's such an insular community, there aren't a lot of people driving because people do not drive on the Sabbath if they're religious. And so it's pretty safe actually to just kind of walk through the streets. But what followed from this person, before I could even say anything, be like, oh yeah, of people don't drive and so some people are you know not conscious enough to walk on the sidewalk she says yeah one time i was driving and i just thought like what if i just like run my car over them (laughs) and i don't think she meant to be anti-semitic per se but what she was saying to me was it would just be simpler if i ran these Jews over with my car Yo. instead of trying to understand what's going on. right oh my god okay <laughs> hold up I need like a, I need like a second to process this it's like it's not obvious right brutal holocaust style anti-semitism right but it's still so problematic because it makes me wonder would she ask the same question if it was non-Jewish people if it was yeah. not in the Jewish attire would she do the same thing yeah it's very interesting to me the subject of anti-semitism in America because growing up in Russia elementary school I faced a lot of anti-semitism explicit anti-semitism in classes I had kids who called me kike there was three of us in a class two of my friends one of them is Boston the other one also went to Baruch with us Alina you remember her yeah we all went to same elementary school and they would call us the n-word because being
being Jewish, we were darker than other kids. Although we are Ashkenazi, like I'm, I'm considered Ashkenazi, but my dad is Middle Eastern, and then the other two girls are considered Gorski Jews, which are the Jews that come from the Caucasus Mountains, and they have darker skin. So we were literally called Kikes and the Edwards for being Jewish. And then you know, once I had a guy who came up to me and said that my dad thinks all, all Jews need to be gas chambered. Him saying that to me, it took me years to understand what he meant by that. And I don't even think he knew what he meant by that. But the fact that he kind of learned that from his father was very problematic. So when I came to the United States, I kind of felt like there is no anti-Semitism here because I lived in a Russian Jewish community. My family is Jewish. Every Russian person that I knew growing up was Jewish. So I was like, oh, this is fine until and I was actually preparing for this podcast and I was like what were my instances of anti-semitism and I remember two the first one was in middle school when the teacher asked oh who do you think runs the world and one of the girls said the Jews and everybody laughed except me because I was like well I'm obviously here being dirt poor in a public school not even running shit and at that moment the teacher didn't even correct her and then the second example was actually much more brutal I was working in Michael Kors I think it was like sophomore year of college or something and it was Christmas time and you know holidays are very busy in retail so there's this guy who's like being rude to us and like making a lot of demands although we have a long line and then my manager goes like do what he asks wrap up his gift get put in a bowl give him a gift receipt whatever he wants we don't need trouble so as I am spending extra time to help this customer I bring him out his wrapped up gift and I say like thank you for your patience happy holidays which is a fucking trigger for a lot of people and he goes like you mean Merry Christmas and I'm like no sir I am Jewish I don't celebrate Christmas I celebrate Hanukkah New Year so happy holidays he looks me straight in the eye and he goes like okay happy holidays kike he takes the bag and he walks out the store i was in tears i was literally paralyzed in tears just not understanding what to do yeah, it was just such a painful reminder. And in my mind, I was like, okay, I knew whom this guy voted for. <laughs> I think that these microaggressions, or not even microaggressions that are happening. Yeah, that, that is an aggression. Yeah, and of course, I came up to my boss and I was like, this happened. And she was pissed. She was this like feisty Latina girl who was like, I'm going to go out and get him when he's still in the store. And then they kind of like found his name in the system and they kind of blocked him. So, like, if he ever tried to purchase that particular location, he wouldn't be able to. But he just went out the store and he's probably going to be continuing spitting this kind of negative rhetoric passing it to the children and then who knows where that can cause yeah yeah so there's obviously a rise in anti-semitism in the country in terms of right. rhetoric we see it with nick cannon saying these right. things so why do you think that nick cannon is allowed to say this shit of course he got fired ah. from his job but you know there's other people like ice cube and deshaun jackson who were saying similar shit like that and still have their jobs what contributes to this rise in anti-semitism and this kind of tolerance for anti-semitism that is a great question and i say that 
that because that's what I say when I don't have an answer. <laughs> I suppose, uh, you know, it could be just the lack of consequences that people have seen in the past. I think also it has a lot to do with the fact that in America there are a lot of white Jews mm -hmm. and so our privilege of being white does allow us to fly under the radar a lot of times. However, that doesn't mean that people aren't saying bad things about Jews, people aren't saying anti-Semitic things. But for me to come out and to say, like, don't say that that's anti-Semitic, it's like, okay, we'll sit down, we have other better things to talk about. Because mm -hmm. mm -hmm. the world is burning. Right, it's true, the world is burning, and right now there are a lot of things going on, and I really do genuinely believe that policing language right now uh, is not the answer to a degree mm -hmm. but before the world was literally on fire i mean it was a slow burn so right. it was always there right. but sometimes we do love a slow burn but not in this <laughs> case. uh yeah definitely not in this case uh, before the world was you know engulfed in flames mm -hmm. people just let things slide i think the fact that you just brought up that most american jews are white yeah people like you and i are identifying jewish but we're not visibly jewish like we're not right. Right. wearing the David Star, we're not having the yarmulke, the curly hair, and all of that kind right. of stuff. So it's, I, I feel like maybe because there's less visibility, people think that's like, if there's less visibility, there's less of a problem. And also because the Jewish communities are very secluded. Yeah. Like, and in New York, especially Borough Park. But then, for example, an incident I noticed this year was when Bill de Blasio, who I am not a big fan of. I mean, I, I also don't think New York mayors are ever good, but <laughs> this one is like spectacular particularly horrible. And earlier this year, he used his Twitter to specifically target attacks on the Jewish community because they were not following the court right. rules, they were ignoring the social distancing guidelines. But the fact that white people were meeting up in parks and, you know, having like gatherings of 20 people in April and May, and de Blasio was so peaceful about it, saying like, oh, like we shouldn't do it. But when it came to the Jewish community, he was like, I am going to send the armed forces, I am going to do this and that. And I was like, is that not anti-Semitism? Oh, yeah. I mean, just a mistreatment of a whole population of people. I don't agree with what they were doing, but that doesn't mean we need to call them out specifically because the whole world is watching. Mm -hmm. And when you, you know, you say one thing against a specific person and it, the people who are lying and waiting, it gives them permission to be anti-Semitic. Exactly. exactly. Yeah. And it's, it's hard to pinpoint because it's not deliberate or it might have been deliberate. Yeah, because I never know what goes on in de Blasio's brain. <laughs> no, he does. Um, Nobody does. <laughs> yeah, it's not like he said, oh man, I'm really gonna, gonna fuck up these Jews, mm -hmm. but it's him looking at a group of people who are doing something wrong, identifying them as a group, you know, of Jewish people, and then writing out like, Jews, you must do this thing. Right. It gives people a reason to say things that they wouldn't say because they didn't think they had permission to say it before. Right. Because you can't say white people stop meeting up in parks because people will throw their hands up in the air. But when you say it about Jews, it's like, okay, well, they're a small population and they probably won't fight us back on this because they congregate in their own small, little inclusive spaces. Right. That very notion that de Blasio was able to not only marginalize Jewish people, but also target Jewish people kind of goes against the stereotype that Jews control the media and control the world. Oh, yeah. Obviously, that's not true. And I want to talk a little bit about these, like, stereotypes that people oh, yeah. think, because I 
remember when that girl in middle school said that Jews run the world and everybody laughed, I was kind of thinking, okay, obviously she's looking at Jews with some kind of jealousy that, you know, they're controlling the world, they're running the world, well, I am not. So jealousy comes with anger and hate. Yes. So she starts to foster these feelings and then is she going to project these feelings on Rothschild family or some other prominent Jewish conspiracy theory family that runs the world? Or is she <laughs> going to project those feelings on the Jewish people in her proximity, which was me? Right. Because honestly, when she said that, and she was a feisty girl, she was always getting in trouble. She was always in detention. And me being in seventh grade, there was a moment when I was like, okay, like her saying those things actually makes me feel less safe. Yeah. And that's what people don't understand is that rhetoric matters. I know right now is not the best time to police rhetoric and cancel culture has gone way too far. And my next step is going to be actually on cancel culture. So this is like a good warm up. Mm. But when you say that Jews run everything, it kind of makes it okay to attack them because you perceive them having power. Right. When in fact, they're not having power and you're just helping to uphold white supremacy. Right. I can only say yes. Everything you're saying, I'm like, yes. <laughs> yeah, I think that a lot of people think that Jews cannot be victims of white supremacy because we're white. Right. But then obviously KKK was burning out synagogues and robbing Jewish banks and lynching yeah. Jewish people, just like yeah. they were lynching black people. So I think the notion of these dangerous conspiracy theories of, you know, the Jews running everything are rooted in the fact that people just don't know history. I'm not even talking about Holocaust. I'm talking about the history of anti-Semitism here in the America because yeah. for example FDR you know beloved FDR did not want to let Jewish people into the United States during Holocaust yeah. he would literally turn away boats at New York Harbor and send them back to death yeah. consciously knowing that he's doing it I think something that people forget is that uh, myself included by the way is that in every election there's always talk about Jewish people we are a political subject but for some reason it just kind of gets like swept to the side as like, okay, well, you have the Jewish state. Yeah, the stereotypes are what's really, really harmful. I know there was talk about Jewish privilege. On Twitter, yeah. Yeah, and the only thing I have to say to that is, I'm a white person. I have white privilege. I can fully acknowledge that. And I'm still learning every day what that means and how I can use my privilege to uplift marginalized people. What I don't have is Jewish privilege. Mm -hmm. There's nothing about my religion that allows me to get ahead of other people. It is entirely the fact that I'm white. Black Jews do not have Jewish privilege. Mm -hmm. They don't even have white privilege. And so this idea of like Jewish privilege, if anything, I would say that people who are both black and Jewish have less privilege because they're already a marginalized people and now they're also subscribing to a religion, which is just right. like another reason. I know we have been talking for a while, so let's take a little break. When I saw the hashtag Jewish privilege trending on Twitter, I was just like so confused. And then I actually went on the hashtag and thankfully most people, when they saw that they started using the hashtag to actually share their stories of anti-Semitism and, you know, yeah. families being killed in Holocaust or facing persecution being Jewish in the Middle East or in Eastern Europe, or it's like all over this country. So I, I was very happy that that hashtag was um, reclaimed by Jewish people to actually be like, no, Jewish privilege is not a real 
thing. But also when I saw that hashtag, I was like, I really try to understand what they think Jewish privilege is. You know, that we control the media, they control everything. I mean, if we control the media, then why are all Jewish characters in TV and films are always portrayed by Goyim, non-Jewish people? Yeah. Why is Mrs. Maisel, who is like, you know, the epitome of the Jewish character, played by a non-Jewish actress? Actually, most people in that cast are non-Jewish. Or yep. Adam Driver, who plays every Jewish character out there in Black Clansman, <laughs> he's not Jewish. So yeah. if we control the media, why do we not have meaningful representation? That doesn't make sense in my mind because that's, that's not a reality. Up. Yeah. And you know where, you know, this idea of Jews running all the banks, that like the money hungry Jew, where that stereotype comes from. Educate the children. <laughs> Please feel free to um, chime in. But it's essentially because we were forced to. Mm-hmm. I believe it was Catholicism that did not allow other Catholics to loan money to mm-hmm. each other. Charge interest. Right, charge interest. That's what it was. And so Jews had to be bankers. We were forced to do these jobs. We had no choice. They were like, you're Jewish, you're doing this. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, we were put into positions where we were handling other people's money, but not because we wanted to. We didn't want to charge people interest. No one wants to be a tax collector. Right, exactly. Nobody ever wakes up like, who do you want to be when you grow up? I want to be a tax collector and work for the IRS. Yeah, nobody wants that, but people were put in that position. And that's Because we have to survive. Exactly. Yeah, I remember learning about this in actually in an English class, and this is why Shakespeare is important, because in Merchant of Venice, you know, the character of Shylock, who is the merchant, who is in a way portrayed as like this negative, stereotypical, you know, thrifty, cheap, stingy Jew who just trying to money grab everybody. Right. But actually, yeah, because Jews were the only ones who were allowed to do the banking, and somebody had to do the banking. So it was actually very wise on the behalf of the Catholic Church to make people who were already marginalized do this thing that nobody else wants to do and then use that as a weapon against them and then that's kind of thing transitioned to here in America because America is still Christian and it was built as a very Christian country where we it's evangelicals, Catholics so the tradition of Jewish people knowing how to do banking which accumulated as a skill over hundreds of years because Jewish people are really good at education and learning how to do things because that's how we had to fucking survive for 2,000 years of persecution. So this idea is that we were forced into this economic system. I saw somebody compare it on Twitter. It's kind of like they call Black people welfare queens because they're forced into welfare systems. Right. Although it's, um, it's not kind of the same economic that, you know, Jews got access to money and black people were forced into welfare but it's the same idea that you force somebody into economic status because of their marginalized status and then you use it against them yes and i will say that jews probably got the better deal in that because Mm -hmm. of white privilege again nothing to do with the jewishness it has to do with the whiteness Mm -hmm. and we are not all white Yeah, not all of us are rich. That's for sure. I remember there was a joke running around when I was a kid, which I thought was kind of funny at the moment. It was like, there's three phases of Jewish people being poor. They're poor, they're very poor, and they're about to take money out of their 401k account. <laughs> it's funny, and, and it's specifically like aspect of Jewish humor, it's very self-deprecating. Like, yeah. we are the ones who are gonna make more pungent, 
jokes about our own kind because that's how we survive. Oh, yeah. Like we are joking about ourselves because we are the ones who know that it's fucking ridiculous and it's not true. Yeah. I grew up poor. A lot of my friends who are Jewish grew up poor. You know, this always idea that, you know, we're rich. Stereotypes are never positive. That idea doesn't exist. Yeah. All stereotypes come from somewhere. But you have to research the history and find out where it comes from. Because, yeah, Jews for a very long time, and even now, we're in the banking business. Mm -hmm. But we were pushed into that, and now we're just continuously marginalized for it. Right. For, right. for something, also, that's another weird thing where it's like for something that people who aren't Jewish are also like praised for. Like, wow, look at this amazing job that you have. Right. Banker. But it's like, oh, you're Jewish and a banker? Oh, what else is new? What else is new? Oh, right. was it your daddy or granddaddy? And then it's just like right. two biggest banks in America, Bank of America and Chase, are owned by white very non-Jewish people. Yep, same with media companies. Yeah, exactly. Like, I mean, I know Warner Brothers, but it's like, I think it's very paradoxical that in America, we, are, we cherish the American dream, but only for some. Oh, yeah. So yeah, Jews, through hard work, were able to achieve that. Is there some truth to Jewish people having access to places of power? Sure, yes. Yeah. There's a lot of people in the finance world. There's a lot of people in the media in high positions. Did we fucking get it because our... Daddy had slaves and built an economic system based on it? No. No. It's because we fucking work hard. We achieve it towards our American dream. So then why are we being punished for achieving our American dream? Yeah, I will um, add a little caveat that, of course, besides for working hard, because, you know, like the hardworking Jew is also kind of a dangerous stereotype. But mm -hmm. besides for working hard, we also did have white privilege once again. White privilege is prevalent throughout all of this. Mm -hmm. I never want to negate that. But yeah, we got to where we were because we were one step ahead in terms of our white privilege. But we did have to work to get there because yeah. there were people who used to lose their jobs every week because they weren't working on Saturday. Mm -hmm. And it was this cycle of you worked in a factory and then you got to Saturday and you were like, I can't work on Saturday. You got fired. And then the next day you were back looking for a new job. Right. Or Jews were not allowed to go to Ivy League for like, what, 1956? Absolutely. And I'm talking about Jewish males. Jewish yeah. women got that right Ugh. later. So yeah. it's like, it's not that we just came to this country and we already had all these rights. Of course, I, I agree with you. I think white privilege did help us to assimilate yeah. and to become less other. Because of course, you know, like we can cut our hair and like look yes. more like the norm, which we all know is established by the white patriarchy. So yeah. it was much easier for us. But also, like, if we remember, like in the 50s, Italians and Irish and Jews were considered people of yeah. the other race. They were yep. actually racist laws against those three groups of people. A, because they were immigrants and they were like coming to take away the job, which is like this country was created by immigrants. Honest. Go watch Hamilton on Disney Plus. <laughs> For the love of God. For the love of God. Do yourself a favor. <laughs> learn some history. <laughs> You don't want to. You don't want to read the textbook. Fine, go watch Disney Plus. <laughs> yeah, but it's also. I think the fact that people are really forgetting history is very yeah. dangerous. And yeah. specifically, growing up, and I do realize that I, my family was the one who were teaching me. But you know, Holocaust was such a horrific, horrific historical event. I'm very happy that the world tried to do as much as they could to make sure that this never happens again. But 75 years later, you know, the survivors are dying. Yeah. 
we are the last generation to have met survivors. My grandpa, who died of COVID earlier this year, fought in World War One and for World War Two. Okay, he was not that old. World War Two, <laughs> and he was the one who told me about the anti-Semitism that was happening in Soviet Union and in Europe. And he was the one who told me about like why he signed up to fight Hitler and all of that things. But he was 93 and he passed away. And I met him, so my kids are not going to learn about him. And if I don't teach them, they're not going to know. And the fact that people are forgetting Holocaust, I think. Is the reason why hate crimes against Jewish people are on the rise. You know, there is a thing of, you know, rhetoric and stereotypes. But then when it comes to actual hate crimes, like in 2019 in New York State, anti-Semitic hate crimes rose up by 26% and became almost half of all hate crimes being committed in New York. Do you hear yep. about this on the news? Nope. I really wonder why. I really wonder why. <laughs> I think it's because the Jews control the media. Right, exactly. We control the media and we don't want people to know that we're being targeted. Oh, yeah. For example, remember like the Tree of Life synagogue shooting in Pittsburgh? Yes, I do. Which was a very, very, very painful moment for all Jewish people. It was For me, it was kind of like a reckoning because I was like, okay, there's rhetoric, but like as long as there's rhetoric, like that's just words. And then there was somebody who walked into a synagogue and shot people. Or, you yeah. know, in a kosher market in Jersey City last year when there was also shooting there be shooting people because they're buying kosher food like i think i read up on that and i think the person was mad that jews have their own food and it's just, <laughs> it's just this is all so problematic so again i think you know between nick cannon and ice cube making these dangerous statements saying that we're savages to actual shootings like anti-semitism is a real real thing and yeah. One of the reasons I think why it's not being talked about is that we are having a racial justice movement. Yes. But I feel like a lot of people think that if we talk about anti-Semitism, we are undermining the racial justice movement because apparently people can't focus on multiple discriminations happening at the same time. And it's all intersectional too. No one is free until we're all free. Yep. And so again, as a white person, I am free and I continue to use that privilege to free everyone else. But as a Jewish person, I am still oppressed and we are still oppressed as a Jewish people. It's still very dangerous. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, to use the hashtag, like my Jewish privilege is the Gabbai, which is like the rabbi's assistant at my synagogue that my dad goes to getting a gun because they're worried about nobody coming to protect them if something like that were to happen. It's wondering why they've switched around seats in the shul and then realizing that they've positioned doctors to sit farther away from the door in order to, you know, make sure that they don't get shot and they can help others who do. Heartbreaking. Yeah. It feels like, I mean, I didn't exist in, you know, pre-World War II Nazi Germany, but it feels like these were the precautions that Jewish people started to try to take. Or maybe they weren't, and that's the reason why we're trying to take these precautions now, because we don't want another Holocaust. And I think it's so problematic in terms of politics that we have the president, Donald Trump, who is the main perpetuator of racism in this country right now. Even though he loves Israel and he loves Netanyahu and his own grandchildren are Jewish. I'm rolling my eyes. <laughs> right. You're rolling your eyes so hard right now. But this idea that it's still coming from the top, like even the fact that Jewish grandchildren of Donald Trump are president 
does not stop from the fact that we have anti-Semitism rising. And I do want to talk to you about this issue of Israel. Mm. We're not going to talk into like Palestine-Israeli conflict because that's a whole different thing. But yeah. as you brought up to me before we met, we before we sit down to record that a lot of anti-Semitism comes from people being anti-Israel. So could you please elaborate on that? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'm going to start off by saying that the conflict between Israel and Palestine is a really complex one and not one I'm going to get into. What I want to discuss primarily is that Israel may be a quote-unquote Jewish state, but not everyone who lives in Israel is Jewish, and not all Jews support the state of Israel and its government and its politics. Mm-hmm. And anti-Semitism in America has nothing to do with Israel. Anti-Semitism is about the harmful rhetoric and actions against people of the Jewish religion, and it's not about whether these people support the state of Israel. I think that a lot of people have frustrations against the Israeli government. Yeah. And then again, just like I said, you know, when you're sharing a frustration about a group of people, but you can't express that frustration on them, you start expressing it on Jewish people because again, the Jewish state, I remember every time I see Trump saying to Jews, oh, you have to support your country. I was like, United States is my country. I've never yeah. been to Israel. I don't have a passport of Israel why are you who are you which is also very anti-semitic that you're dictating me how I should feel about a country that doesn't necessarily represent my Jewishness absolutely not people need to really separate that you can be anti-israel and not be anti-semitic but you can also be anti-israel and can be anti-semitic because you have to create this distinction between an ethnic group that for thousands of years didn't have a place to stay and now that we have Israel that doesn't eradicate thousands, I'm not even hundreds, thousands of years of systemic oppression. Yeah, and I do want to add that, that there are Jews who completely support the state of Israel, mm-hmm. and there are actually extremist Jews who believe that Israel is too secular and too quote-unquote other mm-hmm. to be holy enough for Jews. They're extremists and they believe, they actually, they protest at the Israeli Day Parade, they'll throw things, they hold up scary signs, and they, in general, support the state of Palestine. I think what they're saying is that when they're saying it's too secular, well, what religion do they want Israel to be? And all three major religions are represented in Israel quite equally. If you go to Jerusalem, which I have never been, but my family has been, there is mosques and there's churches and there are a lot of sacred places that are very important to all Jews, Muslims, and Christians are all in Israel. So that's why Israel has to be secular, because if you make it into one religion, there's going to be bloodshed. And do we really need more bloodshed in the Middle East? Honey, I don't think so. I don't think so. And I also think it's very important for people to understand that those radical Zionists don't represent all of Jewish people. Absolutely not. Just like, you know, not all black people support Barack Obama because a group of people is not monolithic in their political views. Absolutely. And again, I think it's also anti-Semitic to push those ideas and to take away a Jewish person's individuality by saying yeah. what they have to believe in. And a lot of times what they have to believe in is defined by Goyim people, not even Jews. Because Jewish people, as much as they can be in power, we still didn't have a Jewish president. We still didn't have a Jewish vice president. We still didn't have a Jewish speaker of the house. So yeah. Bernie yeah. Sanders could have been the first Jewish president. And right. he's not even a religious Jew. Yeah, 
Well, that's never gonna happen. Yeah. Earlier, you brought up this point that none of us are free until we're free, which makes me. I literally had to Google this very famous phrase from、uh, German Lutheran pastor Martin Niemöller, who said this quote around the 50s, and it was goes like this: They came first for the communists, and I didn't speak up because I wasn't a communist. Then they came for the Jews, and I didn't speak up because I wasn't a Jew. Then they came for the trade unions, and I didn't speak up because I was not a trade unionist. Then they came for the Catholics, and I didn't speak up because I was a Protestant. Then they came for me, and by that time, no one was left to speak up for me. Correct. I think we need to really get over this otherness in America, especially when it's perpetuated by other minorities. Yeah. It's really heartbreaking when I see other minorities bashing other minorities. Yeah. Whether it's black people like Nick Cannon and Ice Cube and Deshaun Jackson saying those things that they are the original Hebrews, or when it's Catholic people attacking queer people, we are all. Members of the oppressed community, we all should have empathy for each other, and to understand that if it happens to the gays, it can happen to Jews, it can happen to transgender people, it can happen、yeah. to all of us. We all live in the same society, and once the government, you know, this idea of divide and conquer, which was actually established by Hitler and his administration, and it's yeah, it's still used in places like the West, France, and Britain, and America. We all need to stay focused. So before we go, and I really don't want to let you go because I really love talking to you, Ellie, and I love your energy. And as I said, you're one of the most kind people in the world. So. Being such an empathetic and amazing person that you are, you and I had a conversation when we were rehearsing for Significant Other, and you said that your problem is that you're so empathetic that you feel everybody's pain and then you internalize it. I know exactly how you feel, and it it can be very like sometimes like I open the news and seeing everything that's going on to oppressed communities around the world, it really hurts my heart. But what gives you hope? Because you gotta have hope to survive. Yeah. You know, I think what gives me hope is the young people who are out every day. Out and proud. Yeah, who are using their wealth of knowledge that they were able to obtain from a young age because they, you know, they were constantly on the internet, just in a general and more educated world, and just being there and just like seeing them angry and powerful and. Being able to witness that gives me hope, and I'll add on top of that, it's seeing all marginalized folks coming together. When I went to at the Brooklyn Museum, they had that rally for Black trans folk. I was there, and it was powerful because we were all, whoever you were, we were there for these people. It's so beautiful to see. I touched on this、uh, kind of when I when I was introducing myself. I, I said. I was sex positive. That generally means that I have a positive outlook on sex and also sex work. And when we were going to do a rally for International Horse Day, which was in June, as soon as the protests started happening, and as soon as the entire conversation on the internet changed, we immediately switched our platform to give more time and to give more attention to Black sex workers and other sex workers of color, trans sex workers. 
and it was seeing and, it, and I had nothing to do with that I, I can't take credit for that I was just there for the ride but seeing this immediate shift saying we have to be here for these people was incredibly uplifting it was beautiful to see so the young people and all the good people that's what gives me hope and there are a lot of them I believe that most people are good me too they might be flawed but they want to do the right thing they want to do yeah good. and there's a lot of marginalized communities but if all marginalized communities come together we're the majority by far oh yeah and when we realize that we have the power when we hold each other's hands and try to uplift each other not try to compare our experiences not try to have a competition of who suffered worse we all suffer yeah and if we all suffer then we're not going nowhere because we can only move forward with a healthy base and a healthy foundation and in order to build that foundation we need all of us all of our perspectives all of our experiences all of our knowledge all of our love to come together I was just gonna say not to invalidate the entire podcast that we just recorded but it's not about being Jewish or being black or being trans it's about being the for the justice mm-hmm. of all people. And we cannot achieve justice if we try to bring each other down. Right. Never. We're not free until we're all free. Exactly. You heard that, Nick Cannon? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Ellie, it was such a joy having you here today. Thank you for having me. It's my absolute pleasure. I really wish the world is more like you, positive, spreading love and joy, and just, just seeing your gorgeous little face on my screen today. <laughs> literally uplifted my mood and Aww. I'm really You're having gushing. a hard time saying goodbye to you and wrapping up this podcast so again our thanks to Ellie Dar for bringing her cute little Jewish ass to our podcast so we can talk about all these things because honey if you don't see it happening doesn't mean it's not happening oh yeah and to our listeners again you know what Ellie you, you wrap it up okay wash your hands wear a mask and be kind to each other. Y'all heard it here. Thank you, Ellie Dar. Thank you to our listeners. And um, we'll see you next week for the final episode of Let's Talk Season 1. Woo! Woo! Bye-bye. Bye.